Hello, everyone. Ryan Rodriguez here again with another episode of Connecting Keel Haulers. Today, we are joined by Patrick Dakin's MET Class of 2017. Patrick, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to share your experiences in your career as well as the as when you were at Cal Maritime. No problem. Patrick currently works as the Assistant Superintendent of the Central Plant for Operations and Maintenance at the UC Davis Medical Center in Sacramento. Prior to this role, he was a co-gen operator at the medical center, and before that, served as a third assistant engineer with Sea River Maritime, a subsidiary of Exxon. So Patrick, let's uh, start with your current role as assistant superintendent of the plant at the hospital. Um, now that you've kind of been in that role a couple months, what was that trans what has that transition been like, and what are some of the new responsibilities um, that you've gotten in that this role? Yeah, so I moved from a co-gen operator up to an assistant superintendent. So we have a management team at the central plant that manages about 13 personnel. Um, that management team has me, another superintendent, and then our senior superintendent kind of manages the entire facility as a whole. Uh, my primary responsibility is uh, mostly training operational standards. So I come up with operational procedures or um, you know, uh, redoing operational procedures. Uh, especially for a plant that's as old as our plant, and we do many upgrades. Our plant is over 20 years old now, so a lot of upgrading systems. So I had to rewrite procedures that um, make those changes. I'm also um, in charge of managing a water treatment program for our plant. So we have a cooling tower. We also have uh, a chill loop and a uh, hot water loop that has to be managed by an outside vendor, but I help manage that aspect and testing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then um, as a cogent operator, because that might be, um, I know some of our students even intern in kind of those those positions and stuff. So what was your your typical work like there? Um, and what was the schedule kind of that you kept as a cogent operator? Yeah, so our plant's a little unique. Um, they do uh, four day shifts. So uh, two eight hour shifts and two 12 hour shifts. So it's actually pretty good for work life uh, balance. You always have three days off when you're a cogent operator. Um, they work, the schedule is pretty flexible. Uh, currently it's a rotating schedule. So every three months you rotate to a different shift. So you might be on weekend days or weekday days, and then you switch to graveyard days and then graveyards. So that's a little bit how it, the schedule goes for that aspect of the job. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you were in that for, for a couple of years after your transition from sailing, right? Yeah, so about two and a half years, uh, I was in that position. So about six months is what they have the training. Uh, we have the training program set up for. So okay. you have a six month probation when you start um, as a co-gen operator. Um, right now, we currently hire co-gen operators at a journeyman level. So basically, after the six months, you're at a journeyman level. So you gotcha. need to be at that standard and mm -hmm. uh, go from there. Gotcha. gotcha. Cool. So then, um, I know I just mentioned it. So before working at the hospital, you sailed for about a year. Uh, what yep. what type of vessel did you sail on? Uh, what was your route? And then what were your roles on the ship? So um, right out of school, I got a job with uh, Sea River Maritime, which is an subsidiary of ExxonMobil. Um, at the time, they had uh, three uh, tanker ships, uh, two running crewed um, from Valdez down to San Francisco and Long Beach for crew processing. And then they had one that was doing uh, distillates, so gasoline, mostly fully refined gasoline uh, from Texas to Florida. Um, that was the American Progress. That's the ship I was on. Um, so right out the gate, you know, got on that board, that ship. And the best part of that was that the ship was going into a shipyard period. So I got that experience right out the gate. 
Um, but our normal transit was from uh, Texas to Florida and back. So we'd usually come back from Florida empty and it's only about a three day turnaround time. So not too long, you know, voyages out at sea, but when we did the transition, our shipyard period was over in uh, Singapore. So all the way across the Pacific on the other side. So I got that experience and uh, it was good, good experience. They flew me out to Singapore, joined the ship. We spent, you know, 72 days in, uh, Singapore doing a repair and then on top of that you know sailing all the way back to the west coast you know, I got off the ship for my normal relief and then joined the ship back up about 60 days later gotcha gotcha cool so um then what made you kind of you know because you were there for a year and now you're at UC Davis so what made you transition uh shoreside and then how did you get connected or you know kind of connected with UC Davis Medical Center um and what was your process in looking for a new job yeah, so uh, we were kind of in a unique situation at Sea River. Uh, I joined Sea River uh, back. Uh, I actually got hired in February of my senior year, so I kind of had a job all lined up, ready to go. Um, and first started, you know, Sea River is going to last forever. Exxon Mobil has been around forever. And uh, about you know seven or eight months into the process, uh, the Exxon Mobil decided they were going to sell their assets of the three ships that they own to an, uh, Crowley Maritime. So they sold those ships off to Crowley Maritime. And along with selling those ships off, they said all the officers on board the ships uh, were to go with the ships and join Crowley if you wanted to. So that opportunity uh, presented itself. Um, but at the time, I had just had uh, my first child, a daughter, and it was already kind of wanting to come shoreside already. So I thought that was probably a perfect transition. So I ended my career on board the ship um, with Sea River. So the last day that Sea River owned those ships was the last day I was on board those ships. And then from there, we transitioned to shoreside. So I started looking when I was back on leave uh, from the ship, looked, looked around my area. Um, there's a few power plants that exist around my area. Uh, was able to get a, a job at a power plant, a 500 megawatt power plant, so much bigger than the current power plant I'm at, um, fairly easily, um, you know, interview process and stuff like that, but uh, they wanted me to start right away, started with them as soon as I got off the ship, I think two days later after I got off the ship, and uh, was there for about six or seven weeks, um, and then uh, UC Davis had called, I had always put in applications, everybody in UC Davis had called me, and um, asked if I wanted to come and interview. Um, at that time, the 500 megawatt plant uh, was good, but uh, the people were really good there, but management style was not what I was accustomed to and not what I was looking for in a career path, um, especially for someone who's starting my career and wanted to continue on in my yeah. career. So kind of moved on from there and uh, UC Davis called me, did the interview process and uh, they were the ones that offered me a job at much closer to my house only 15 minutes away from my house where the Not other bad. power plant was, yeah, the other power plant was about an hour in the morning and about an hour and a half in the evening when I would have to come home. Gotcha. So it was an easy transition that way. So fairly, fairly simple and straightforward. I, you know, putting your resume out there, I think the biggest key for applying for those types of jobs 
especially short side is make sure you show relevance on how your experience transfer, uh, transfers to short side. So, um, and especially anything that says requirement on an application in the application area, you wanna make sure that you have something for every one of those things, even if it says I have experience with, and then you know elaborate on each one of those things. Cause there's so many times now that I'm in the management team, there's so many times when people you know, are missing just one or two things off the required in an area, even though you know from their experience they had to have had that experience. So that's you know one of the big things that you need to make sure. You want you guys want to see it explicitly stated on there. Yeah, it's explicitly stated is the best way to do it because that way, uh, a lot of the times when you're evaluating candidates, especially for you know just trying to weed the candidates down, you you kind of make a list of oh how many requirements did they hit if they hit. You know, five of the requirements, then we can accept everybody. Mm -hmm. But now we have to accept everybody who has five requirements. But if you match them all, then most likely you're going to get a call back, at least for, you know, a phone screening. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's actually a good point because uh, I'll talk with some students who are like, do I really need to put like Microsoft Excel on my, and I'm like, yes, like <laughs> it's on there. It's on there <laughs> for a reason. Don't, don't think, oh, everybody has it. So I'm, it's not going to make me stand out. It's like, I think that's a good good point right yeah. there from the hiring side is like you guys are looking for this to weed through candidates and stuff and help yeah. you make those yeah decisions. And, yeah and the best part is i mean me and um one of my other managers is a cal maritime alum and he knows that i have some of the you know when he hired me he mm -hmm. knows that i had some of this experience that i had missed on putting the requirement aspect on so you know making sure that you include all those things is you know the most important part um and making sure that you get seen to the next level, at least in the hiring process. Got you. Um, one thing you mentioned that I think I want to touch on just a little bit is first, um, you said making sure that you're translating that experience. So if you were sailing and transitioning to short side, making sure that you uh, talk about those relevant things. So what did you find in, and now in your role, what do you see as relevant that the, these license track students who do want to transition short side should be highlighting in resumes or interviews or cover letters or whatever it may be? Well, I think, you know, sometimes you'll run into plants like the first power plant that I applied for and got a subsequent job for. Uh, they had only had one Cal Maritime grad come through there and they hadn't had a lot of license tracked uh, people come through there. So a lot of times you walk into an interview and you might have to re-explain what a license track is or mm -hmm. what your degree is actually in. Um, so making sure that you explain, you know, well, how your degree is relevant to what they want, especially in an operator's standpoint, because as a Cal Maritime grad right out of school, most likely you can get hired on as an operator, at least an operator apprentice. And uh, being able to say, oh, look, I can look at a PNID, I can look at a system drawing, I've done system tracing throughout my career at Cal Maritime, four years of Cal Maritime, I was able to operate a ship, you know, by myself, I was you know, licensed software, you know, um, engine room operator, I, you know, helped the engine room out and stuff like that and showing relevance and then listing, you know, listing every single system because a lot of these power plants have a lot of the same systems mm -hmm. that we have on board ships and making sure you list out those things. Oh, what do you use for cooling? Oh, we use, you know, seawater for heat exchangers. Oh, okay. You know, it's all, you know, pertinent. And sometimes if you, you're experiencing people that don't know what, you know, Cal Maritime is, or especially what, you know, even shipboard engine rooms are like, it's completely different. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then also with, uh, with your license, did you, did, um, 
you see that when you're transitioning to shore side, uh, was that a requirement on, or either a requirement or a preferred qualification on applications, or did you see that kind of helping you out um, in your job search process? Uh, I think it probably helped out a lot in the jobs uh, search process. At least it was, you know, relevance that, you know, I have a government agency license um, saying like, you know, and people would always ask, well, what's that mean? And mm -hmm. you go into, you know, I have to take eight tests. It's all predicated on, you know, having all the STCW requirements. So every time I was in school, the requirements to transitioned over and the amount of sea time that you have to have, you know, going into the cruises, you know, whether it be your freshman cruise, commercial cruise, or even all the way up to your senior cruise where, you know, that's kind of how it, it things um, stand out. And I think that definitely helps, you know, with certifications. I know in different states, you know, they actually require and some counties actually require <clears throat> like a STEAM license. And um, stuff like that is maybe something that you could gotcha. work towards and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I know a few operators that have done that. And then, you know, within six months, they have to get their steam license and stuff like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so commercial cruise, I think that always kind of speaks for itself, how it sets you up <laughs> going post-graduation and stuff. But uh, yeah. I was also noticing on, on like your LinkedIn profile and stuff that you did a lot of on-campus jobs and had a lot of campus involvement while at Cal, Cal Maritime. So how did those... Um, different things kind of set your set you up post-graduation for um you know just jobs and things of that nature well i think uh being part of the core really stood out especially to a lot of my job employers and especially with exxon mobile um exxon mobile you know throughout the years they only take about five or six candidates um of you know six or seven hundred candidates and the interview process was pretty intense it, you know it's a phone interview and then they fly me out to houston and then sit sit in a panel of you know 10 people from exxon mobile that are all grilling you on questions and stuff like that but a lot of relevance goes back to how you manage um other people how you interact with people interpersonal skills are a huge aspect um because you know the knowledge base they know that you have a license they know that you have the skills to do that job but they really care about building a team and uh, at least with exxon mobile and a lot of companies that are hiring cal maritime grads are looking for people to take the next step and maybe become a manager at one point and you know take the next step and be in a leadership role inside their company and you know, it's explained to me when I was at XM Mobile that, you know, it costs, you know, roughly, you know, $600,000 when it's all said and done to train me from a new hire all the way through, you know, that's paying everybody's salary to weed the candidates away and everything like that. So their company is making a huge investment in you initially when they hire you and they want to make sure that that investment's going to pay off. So my campus involvement was, I was a cadet chief engineer for you know, basically starting uh, the mid part of my uh, junior year all the way up until cruise through cruise and then continuing on through uh, my senior year to help with training program and stuff like that. Another big aspect was uh, clubs and associations. Uh, I was part of the Society of Port Engineers uh, uh, group. So, you know, every month there's a dinner. I don't know how it works now with COVID, but probably not the same way, but <laughs> every month... <laughs> every month there was a dinner um, where you get to meet, you know, people from Exxon, people from Chevron, you know, all these people that are in the industry, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area. And the Society of Port Engineers really supports at least the MET program at Cal Maritime. And they really, you know, try to elevate everybody up and they sponsor the cadets, you know, five or six cadets to come to these dinners. They're 
really nice dinners at really fancy restaurants in San Francisco. And you get to sit at tables and mingle with people that are asking you questions. Some are Cal Maritime grads, some are you know, from SUNY, some are from different uh, maritime colleges, and some are, you know, work their way up from the bottom, but there are a lot of port engineers in there and a lot of superintendents that run yards and stuff like that. And then another club I was involved with was uh, AFE, which is the Association of Facilities Engineers, which is a good aspect to be part of. Um, you know, they have an annual trip. I don't know if they, they'll probably do it this next year. But, yeah, we, it got, um, can it was like going to be early March last year and it ended up getting canceled. I know it didn't happen this year because I was actually bummed because I was like new to Cal Maritime last year and yeah. I was going to go on that trip down to Santa Clara and I was like, oh, this is going to be sweet. I'm going to get to like learn, you know, kind of see firsthand. And it was like right at the start of COVID. It's like, yeah, we're not going to do the in-person thing. I was like, dang. But yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I participated in that uh, for two years and it was really good experience. Um, uh, Ryan Stores, who yep. was part of the program, he, you know, he really pushes uh, cadets to get out there and show their relevance towards, um, you know, facilities engineering. Um, so, you know, great experience. I got to go to Lockheed Martin one year, and I think another year I went to a server um, a facility, but Lockheed Martin was cool. You know, you get to see what the people do from the facilities engineering part, you know, the customers are obviously different programs. So, you know, mm -hmm. they might be working on top secret stuff and they <laughs> might need a clean room to do something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you get all these clearances, you get to see where, you know, spacecraft are built and stuff like that. So, you know, every part of it is, is something to be involved with. Cool. Cool. Yeah, no, definitely those networking opportunities and just seeing, seeing a bunch of different things while you're in school is a great way to, to kind of envision the future for sure. Uh, yeah. So I know you're you are a more non-traditional age cadet. So yeah. what uh, what kind of got you interested in uh, marine engineering technology and going back to school? And then what advice would you give to the non-traditional um, cadets as they go through Cal Maritime? Any advice or anything like that? Yeah, um, yeah, I wasn't on traditional. I was a transfer student, so I got out of high school in 05. Um, did community college kind of part-time, but also worked a full-time job as a delivery driver. And then got to a point in my career as a delivery driver, where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I felt like I was kind of spinning my wheels. Um, my younger sister, who's four years younger than me, actually started at Cal Maritime at that uh -huh. time. And I'd always, you know, known about Cal Maritime before, but then when I started looking into it, it's like, oh, you know what, I'm pretty mechanical, pretty good with my hands and stuff like that. So kind of focused up, uh, you know, went back to community college, got all my math out of the way, got, you know, took some intro to engineering courses there and kind of realized, oh, this is kind of what I want to uh, come in with. So mm -hmm. I actually transferred into Cal Maritime as an ME student, so okay. ME license track student. And I got here and after the first uh, semester, I kind of realized, oh, you know what, I want to be in MET. I want to be more in the operational side of engineering. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the design side, um, but I wanted to be kind of doing the operational side. So I kind of transferred over to the MET program and was able to do that at the time. I know that's probably restricted now or you know, transferring between is a little harder, uh, but, um, and just flourished in that program. It took me the four, full four years. Mm -hmm. um, I did have, I did transfer in with, you know, I think I transferred in with 72 credits, but a lot of that was all general or math. Yeah. So kind of reduced my load um, for the first, two and a half years, which was good because it kind of eases you into how strict and, you know, taking 20 units, taking 23 units mm -hmm. um, for me as a transfer student, that worked out best for me. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Um, what about now? I know you, you, you don't sail anymore. You did for a little bit. What's one thing you miss about sailing? And then what's one thing you love about your job right now? Uh, uh, I think the thing I miss the most about sailing is probably time off. You know, the time off is awesome. Yeah, that's a, I, I've gathered that talking to a lot of sailors. Yeah, that does sound yeah. nice. So the, the time off is nice. Um, but you know, it does have the flip side of that is you're stuck on board the ship. And, mm-hmm. um, my route wasn't too bad, uh, you know, with three days on three days off and they were pretty liberal about, you know, if you, as long as your work was done, you could get off the ship for maybe an hour or two or something like that. But, you know, I had a different experience. I was on a tanker ship, so it's not like you can go out and go to the bar or something and come back to the ship. It, that's not allowed, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's an aspect I kind of miss. And then operationally wise, uh, on a ship, it's, you know, there's a job to do every single day. And the first engineer really, you know, dictates, you know, what you're going to do for the day you have PMs and stuff like that. But, you know, or responding to emergencies and stuff like that is, you know, something that was always fun and doing casualty control and um, that aspect of the job is good. But um, I think that's, you know, something I do miss about, you know, sailing is the time off. And when you're on board, you're on board. So there's nothing else going on. You know, you do your, 12 12 hours down in the engine room you come up you eat and then you go take a nap or you go sleep and then you start the whole day over and everything like that and then but it's you know hard on the family especially you know having you know a young daughter you know my wife you know i actually missed the birth of my first child because we were out at sea uh, in the middle pacific so you know that was a big aspect that was like kind of drawing me away from Mm -hmm. uh this uh, sailing aspect and kind of want to coming shore side. Gotcha. Um, look, I, that actually, what you just mentioned about missing missing your daughter's birth is something I was talking with a couple mariners last week and how did they, and how they kind of um, handled just from like, more like the mental well-being of, of like missing these milestones and stuff. So just how did, how was, how did you guys kind of go about that? Um, and, you know, uh, I know it was, guys, it, it's gotta be it, tough for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was tough. I mean, uh, she came early, you know, 21 days early, actually. And uh, so we were actually transitioning back from uh, Singapore back to the West Coast. And, you know, we still had 21 days. She came, you know, uh, came 21 days early. And we were still like, I think, three days away from the West Coast. So there's nothing that, you know, we could control. Mm-hmm. I know I probably emotionally it was probably harder on my wife yep. than it was on me. Uh, but on that aspect, I, you know, the Exxon really treated their engineers and especially the people on board their ships, you know, first class. So we had high speed internet. I was able to watch the birth uh, live on my phone. And that was another aspect that was like, oh, wow, you know, at least, you know, I had this and was mm-hmm. able to share in that moment. So mentally, at least I wasn't not, not yeah. there that I was actually there. So that helped out a lot. Gotcha. Prepared you but for the it's pandemic. definitely a, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely straining though, mm-hmm. on a, you know, when you're looking at that part of it. Yep, I'm sure. Um, and then now, uh, just closing with a couple things. First, what is something now working at, at UC Davis uh, that you really enjoy in, in your role as assistant superintendent? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the plan is kind of on the older side. It's about 20 years old, but you know, having the reliability that we do, we have a LM2500 that 
uh, we provide power to the hospital. So we have basically three sources of power for the hospital. We have emergency generators, we have our power plant, which is an LM2500. And then we also have a connection to the local utility uh, down here. So three sources of power is a huge aspect, but uh, plant's 20 years old. So a lot of upgrades are happening throughout the plant. And so it's kind of getting to retrofit an entire plant, which is a huge aspect and kind of learning new systems, trying to decide, you know, being part of the team that's going to help decide what the future of that plant looks like in the next 20 years, which you know, I hope to be there in another 20 years and being able to see those aspects um, of the plant's evolution. I mean, the plant started in 97 and, you know, hearing all the stories about all the equipment that's in there now. And then now they're building even bigger towers. You know, they're building a 14 story tower to replace a bunch of towers. So, so there's a lot of improvements coming down the line and being a part of that and then helping make the plant more efficient and, you know, being green and sustainable is, you know, definitely on the higher level of things now. And, how a central plant and how uh, su su supplying the central utilities to a campus that has 30 plus buildings and supports a hospital that, you know, is a level one trauma center is a huge aspect because, you know, people need to have their surgeries and they need to have reliable power all the time. And you can't have any outages. You can't black out the hospital at any point. And, you know, that's a big aspect. So it's, it's challenging, but it's also, being able to see that process through is, is exciting. Nice, nice. Um, with it being being spring, I always feel a little obligated that um, for you know I don't know how you guys if you guys do internships at the at the medical center or not like in in plan ops um, or even new grad hires or or kind of what at at the medical center kind of what would be that process if you guys are if you're looking or if you just kind of do that in general. Yeah, as of right now, uh, we haven't had anybody intern at the program. Um, right now, our biggest aspect is trying to get our, our staff fully staffed. So okay. since I've been there almost uh, three years, we've never been fully staffed except for one day when we had a full staff, <laughs> full staff. And then, you know, of course, the guy got there and it's something he didn't realize about the uh, the facility and then he quit the next day and so then we became not fully staffed so <laughs> so the most important part right now is uh, getting us fully staffed but gotcha. you know me and my other manager um, have talked about in the future setting up an internship program setting up you know a way a path you know a, an apprenticeship program to be able to transition people from you know zero knowledge or you know maybe cal maritime knowledge or mm -hmm. some some level of trade school all the way up to a full-blown operator uh, there's some challenges coming up. Uh, you know, the cogent operators just last six months have unionized. So they're now in a union. So there's another aspect that has to be addressed. But, you know, going forward, I think that we're, you know, open to that. And that's something that we're going to try to move forward to. But getting everybody hired on, mm -hmm. getting a full staff is the top priority for us, at least, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, if, if somebody did want, want to apply or was interested, where would they go? Um, just on your guys' website? Yeah UC, yeah, UC Davis Health is where we normally uh, post all our jobs. That's, you know, okay. exterior candidates can find them through UC Davis Health. Um, right now, I think we might be fully staffed uh, after this next hiring process, um, but we do have a lot of people there that have worked there for 20 years. So some are getting very close to retirement. Mm -hmm. That's a big aspect is that, you know, as a 
as a new grad and especially as someone you know, even was in the industry and now uh, trying to move to different industries is always checking, you know, sending a reminder weekly to check up and everything like that. Because now seeing on the other side that, you know, job postings can last like less than three or four days and being able to check every week to make sure that the job is posted and stuff like that is a huge aspect and not relying solely on like LinkedIn or solely on another, you know, job website to give you all the information because sometimes you'll see it on another job post and then you'll click into it and then it's like, oh no, this not closed there. a week yep. ago. Yeah, it closed yep. a week ago, so it doesn't apply to me. But uh, UC Davis Health um, is where, uh, we post our jobs in, uh, there's four other campuses in the UC system that also have cogen. So, you know, that's a big aspect that, you know, people want to look around and especially in different areas, uh, UCLA, UCLA has one, Berkeley has the cogen it's managed by a different company. So you'll see postings out, but I mean, I think the resource that I used the most when I was in school was um, my faculty members. I mean, Ryan Stores was a huge aspect on being able to you know, share any information, share about when uh, he knew about job postings. And even when I got my uh, job at ExxonMobil and job interview at ExxonMobil, I reached out and found one of my faculty members, knew someone who worked at Sea River, and that was a huge aspect. And, being able to reach out to that person and contact them and say, hey, you know, how was the interview process? What should I expect? You know, what should I be prepared for? And he just you know, told it to me straight, you know, what, what, you know, what they were looking for and everything like that. So using your faculty members is a huge aspect and a huge, you know, time save, especially for new candidates. And, you know, even after I've graduated, keeping in touch with those faculty members and sending them an email, they always respond back. And that's what I got to say about the MET program. They're, you know, top notch. Everybody has been. Yes. I say use, use that network any way you can, for sure. Yeah. Definitely for sure. Uh, well, Patrick, that's all that I have. Any last closing thoughts um, to touch on before we close up? No, I think we covered a lot, a lot of good things. And, uh, you know, wish everybody luck out there in the job field. And as a Cal Maritime grad, I've never had a problem finding a job. And, you know, every interview I've gone on, I've gotten the job. But, you know, being honest and um, trying to be humble, too, is a big aspect of, especially when you start a new job, you know, even coming on board a ship, you, you know, graduate, you have a degree, you got your Coast Guard license, but also being humble when you come aboard that ship. You know, some people on board a ship have been there for 15 years. They know the ins and outs of that ship up and down, and but showing your willingness to learn and you know don't overstep your bounds, and then even coming to a cogen operator on shore side was another aspect where you kind of learn your place and you know know where you stand and make sure that you know you uh, you know you ask inquisitive questions is a big thing and ask you know, why we do this this way and don't you know, think, oh, we should do it this different way. It's like, no, you just came in. You need to kind of learn the system before you start, you know, telling them how to run their plant and stuff like that is a big aspect that you know, people, I see a lot of people come in, you know, from just my last three years that have come in and said, oh, you should do it this way. And then, you know, it's like, oh, you know, what? you, you were just here a week. Yeah, <laughs> what are you we, doing? we do it this way for, <laughs> for a certain reason. It's kind of big, yeah, yeah for a certain reason. Yeah. Totally. Well, yeah. uh, Patrick, thank you very much. Uh, Cadets, if if you want to reach out, we'll link to his LinkedIn profile um, so you can reach out if you have any questions or, or want to talk more about what he does or so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, Patrick, thank you for 
taking some time out of your day and, and joining us and um, answering some questions. No problem.